Hello, and welcome back to From Out of Game. I'm going to go ahead and keep trying to use this headset instead of trying to edit the old video. Oh, sorry, not video, audio. I think it, sounded, it came back a little quiet. I think I'm just going to try to speak my normal tone of voice and make the room a little more soundproof. I just try to be mindful of the sounds around the house. So I will keep trying to pre-record a bunch and then just schedule them to release because I do start school again. And I, as I said in the last episode, that's the reason I stopped doing this. So it's kind of ironic that I'm trying to start again. But, you know, um, I'm super excited with all my campaigns still. And I've actually been writing up, um, what are they, little sequences that I, e I, I give the emails to my parties and based on what's going on or if I really like the idea of something I'll type it up and just keep myself fresh in everything so I'm gonna go ahead and devote this episode to the dandy boys again and I think I'll do another in the dms and then I'll start the next episode not the next episode but there'll be an episode on the new campaign the long night so I can get that going because like I said I have several hours worth of stuff for dandy boys so when we last left our heroes, we had just reveled in the success of liberating Mount Elmholm, basically really setting in the roots of the revolution with all the dwarves up there saying the, the, the biggest argument was, hey, back when the capital was under siege, the king had no problem protecting himself and keeping everyone out. So why should you guys care about that? And that's a really compelling argument. So, I mean, I just roll diplomacies. And anytime they roll some sort of diplomacy for the revolution, I, I don't know if the dice are loaded, but every time they do it, it's there. They roll high and I roll low. And so it, it just works. And I know the rule book says I don't need to roll for an opposing diplomacy check but i like to roll just like a what if scenario and for whatever reason what kind of personality and disposition this person has towards that idea like maybe they can have a strong love for the kingdom for whatever reason like that's that's what keeps their family alive is the the money and they don't want to they don't want to fuck with anything that's going to mess up their their lifestyle and other people will be like you know what that's a good point but that's for a whole, like, guest episode with Kane and Thero on the show with me, if they'd want to, to talk about their their actual motives behind the revolution. <clears throat> so after our heroes take care of that honeypot situation, and Thero gets his ring of sustenance, and he needs to wear it for a while, uh, they continue on to the city that was unnamed at the time, but it's another midpoint city where I kind of gauge their non-combative skills and see like what DCs would be appropriate for the upcoming encounters. It was around Christmas time, and I was really interested in kind of instead of we rarely get together. Sorry to digress. We rarely get together to have event-themed sessions, so I try to like just take whatever's close and for christmas i wanted to do a krampus encounter and kind of give it the whole scooby-doo 
it's really just a bunch of dudes pretending that um that there's a demon in town but because it was some podunk village of here h-i-e-r and that was just a play on words because i didn't really know what to call here so i said you're here and that was that was a town so with their new mounts and kane's newly armored mount the first thing they do when they get in this this little village is they buy a they buy a carriage well they it's mainly a wagon but they wanted some form of transportation because i hadn't realized at the time that they were already actually several steps ahead of me on their evolution plans and so i i didn't think asking for a wagon or a carriage was too much i didn't think it was asking too much and i figured i'd cut them a deal so they they go into a bar where i i had already planned <clears throat> that this bar was actually a kind of like an entrance but also the the front for an underground weapons re- research facility because i'm pretty sure i was talking about the the thin worlds and the portal war before so firearms are showing up like kane and there already have their own guns the seven kinds of slaughter but there are also regular guns throughout the world and since it's foreign tech to all these villagers and people of medieval time technically they need to do research so they try to smuggle as much as they can and these these are actually working for the bad guys and they stow away a bunch of the tech underneath the bar and at night they work on it and try to do most of their work because they are cultists of zargon so the um the the ruse the whole operation is all about keeping the bar protected from any questioning villagers and guardsmen which some of the guardsmen are working for the bad guys as well so what do you do you introduce a bigger threat quote unquote and in this case it was a demon and it was funny because uh, my player's roommate was just in the room so i asked him to just look up a demon name and we'll we'll wing it and we ended up getting the demon name zilroth zilroth it rolls off the tongue real hard. It sounds demonic and great, so we used it. So basically, every two, every year, or every seven moons, some cryptic message to get all these uh, superstitious folk to to buy into it. Zilroth would come in and steal children or the women, never men, because it, it, it's it was like a sexist coup of Zargon um to get all the men to carry all the heavy stuff and if if these people with older thoughts were so protective of the women and children it would be easier to extort them for protection they would have a and i i passed this plan around a few times i have my notes open right now it was originally just going to be a druid who can shapeshift and then a bunch of fighters with rogues who could read scrolls of obscuring mist and it would look ominous as a demon came through the woods to steal away your children. So if you paid enough, then it would be a staged battle. Zilberoth would be appeased and he would, you know, he'd go away. And if they didn't pay enough money, then they would take children. And the caveat there, if I'm using that word right, is I ended up settling for a werebore because 
the challenge I was working with challenge ratings of three five. It's a little tricky, but I figured out how to balance it for Kane and Thero, even though they're just gestalted and things are a little weird. It still was a great fight. So we have this th this one instance of Zilberoth is holding up a front for the weapons research because the weapons research is what's hiding a vampire. So some of the seven moons wouldn't matter how much they gave, the vampire would still need to eat. And if if he's weak enough, because it wasn't a full-fledged vampire, it was just a spawn, he they would need a way to give him blood and victims. And the best way to do that is Zilberoth. And so Kane and Thero are hearing about this demonic presence, and, excuse me, of course they went in on it. So they start asking questions, and it starts perking up the ears of the townsfolk who are in on it, and they're like, oh shit, here we go. These guys, they want to be part of the heroes, and we can't have that. Our whole operation's going to crumble. So they try to act just as ominous back around them to kind of separate them about. And I, I, I had an opportunity to throw low punches, you know, um, really low blows, because Thero... I already gave him the benefits of the ring without knowing that he didn't actually have them yet. So he only needed to sleep two hours. Kane, on the other hand, had to sleep for a while, so he was sleeping alone in a tavern, and I had some people like check on him. But in my head, I was like, I can kill him. I can kill him right now in his sleep. No big deal. But the, I, I couldn't justify the actual motive behind killing him outright because he was still a nobody. He was such a shadow of life as he was in citizenship because he was an assassin for this guild and he separated himself so well. So Thero goes out and he's looking for Zilberoth because when he wakes up from his two-hour nap, he hears screaming and he just flies and goes. He does the heroic thing and finds all these fighters and he finds the werebore. And he just starts blasting. He does the classic, and this is the classic Thera move. He finds the strongest spell on the biggest dude and unloads it. And I learned from this in later encounters. But he, he wipes out the werebore as fast as he can, but then he's trapped inside this building because the werebore got in there to steal some children, which they weren't expecting other people because that's part of the ruse, obviously. <clears throat> and these guys are starting to take the family away, and so that raises more questions eventually and finally Kane gets a high enough roll to wake up and he does his ninja dash all the way out there like I said small podunk village to where he sees a guard patrolling that area but if there's something going on in that area and the guard isn't reacting to it that's already something up and as he watches Kane run the guard is purposely trying to get in his way Kane has separated himself from Thero to where he feels safe enough. He just says, all right, I'm going to kill him. And since by D&D terms, the guard has not moved yet, quote unquote, he is considered flat footed. <clears throat> Thero just slices his throat open and keeps moving. Guns down a couple of the men that are uh, flanking Thero. And they get down to, I believe, one guy stays alive and they kind of just hide his body in the woods. To which then some good guards come by 
and they have to explain this whole thing because they, they came in there shady and then these good guards are like, okay, what happened? So they have to roll more persuasive checks. They have the evidence and they, they, they put the story together to tell the town, hey, there's something bigger going on. And I forgot to mention prior to this, when Kane had done some footwork on that shady guy, he noticed that there was a hidden entrance other than the bar, but he didn't, he didn't know at the bar yet. He just knew there was an entrance. Oh, excuse me. To an underground facility of some sort. And so they have to take this guy back to the guard and they want to go ahead and try to get into this underground facility as fast as possible. So they try to get the approval of the city. And I believe this is about a year ago when we did this one. I believe this is when he said whether or not you you give us permission, I'm going to go down there and try to take care of it. So when they get down there, it's it, it was it was a little difficult because I'm trying to figure out how many NPCs he's going to try to rally. And one thing I try to avoid as a DM is I try to avoid having my my NPCs fight my NPCs. It doesn't feel as fun, and it feels like it just clogs up combat, especially in 3.5. I mean, I love 3.5 to death, but I know combat is clunky. So I try to find a way to get the guards to go back for just, you know, back up some sort of perimeter to enclose in case anyone tries to run out. And they, they eventually start to get into this underground bunker. I'll, I'll summarize a little more so I can come back and recount that a bit. So, basically, this whole sequence of here is about them earning more trust of civilians, regular podunk town, and being able to separate the fact from fiction. The, the people who are blending in and the people who are actual citizens. And it, it gives a sort of two-way street here because I made apparent that there was a siege on Yonderfar, the capital, and that it just magically disappeared. There was no assaulting force that stopped anything. I mean, there was an, a reference that there may have been some sort of defensive formation, but what happened was the siege disappeared. And that's part of the plan, was to show off like a little bit of destructive chaotic power and then blend in with the crowd while they can while the communication of yonderfar was a this the focal point of concentration and b uh disrupt all communication so that the cultists could kind of ease their way into every little nook and cranny of the the territory so this two-way street i'm talking about in here h-i-e-r is the townsfolk recognizing that there are heroes still alive and the heroes recognizing that there is some trickery and subterfuge going on. So after I get, gather my thoughts for this next part, I'll be right back. And we're back. Just had some weird recording issues, I guess. Anyway, what I was saying is I only briefly set up this whole underground weapons research facility 
because I wasn't sure if they were even going to catch it or if they'd even be interested. I, I know they were trying to go see a big city very soon, which was Mirius, and I told them that was coming up. I'm glad they decided to stay in here because it gave me a chance to, one, learn how firefights can work, which is very fun, and like actual shootouts, because I've always wanted a shootout. I've always wanted a shootout, and I've always wanted aerial combat, and I wanted them to work kind of seamlessly. Still working on the, the shootouts, but I'm better at it because of this encounter. And I got to learn more about scrying. I like to be able to have plans that test the limits of their skills and ominously match their skill sets like just right but how can you justify that without feeling too all-knowing and godlike and it just it um, i say it a lot but it doesn't feel organic and i didn't like it so with scrying as long as there is a sensor that can spot them then i have it i have some justification and it feels natural to my players too so when they go through this back entrance which is a little more walking because it's hallways and it's off the broken path it's not directly underneath the bar they Kane sees the scrying orb it, it looks like one of those little black cameras that you see at convenience stores and um malls and i just thought it would be funny to make it look like that but it's like a scrying orb and so he breaks that as fast as he can but it it it, it helps but also doesn't i i kind of threw in there for flair but at the same time I would have to be using someone to be scrying on them, and then that person would have to be pretty closely linked excuse me, to the bar folk. Um, so it, it was more of just an introductory thing. So he sneaks in, breaks that orb, and then they realize that there is a one of those secret, like, what's the password doors, which I always forget that they both know it's um gaseous form so cool they're in easily because they got the guards to hold the perimeter and there and kane kind of just vaporized through the door and then they realize it's a secret it's a, it's a secondary bar i put that there so they maybe make a connection like oh hey the bar guys were bad and so the secondary bar has secret levers to which they heard a man locking up and they saw him too and so they tied him to the as the bar owner and that he was in on something bigger. So by the time he locks up and goes upstairs on the other end of the the weapons research facility, Kate and Thero go in and when they open up the the door on their end, the end that our heroes joined, that obviously raises suspicions because the guy who was just there is left, so now the door's opening, which means everyone's drawing their guns. <clears throat> they flip tables already, and I get to sort of work with a shootout. Super clunky. I'm not afraid to admit my flaws here. It was hard to work with with several shooters. They were lower level, like threes, fours, versus Theron Kane's nine at this point. It It was still fun because it was a lot of waiting baiting and just rolls rolls after rolls after rolls to a point where uh, thero could just use magic missiles to go around cover and kane could do 
It's like acrobatic backstab where he can tumble onto people and get the sneak attacks. <clears throat> and then they start seeing all these spare parts for guns, firing pins, all the stuff that looks foreign to them as characters and as players it's easier for them to like have a grasp and better understand how their character would react which I, th I think it's very nice i let them listen for some potential movement because the added bonus to this whole encounter was do they realize there's a vampire under here that needs to feast every like two months no oh, twice a month not two months so there's one th this was going to be the first kind of reveal on who is the other faction that is also helping in the grand scheme of things because if you were paying attention from the beginning <clears throat> if, if you're one of the constant listeners you remember that there was a gargoyle who took flight into the old kingdom and save sulfurus which is one of the brothers the seven kinds of slaughter so the vampires are working not just with them because sulfurus is working with zargon zargon's working with all creatures of the night including vampires because zargon's trying to bring forth the the long night again so if our heroes did enough spot checks search checks and listen checks they were going to be able to find a statue kind of hidden behind a hidden wall hidden behind a hidden wall that's redundant anyway yeah there's a firing range to like practice their shooting at night when everyone's asleep <clears throat> off the beaten path under a bar so at the end of that shooting range underneath the bar if you check low and underneath the flooring which was cobblestone you'd find a coffin because vampires have to be near their remains or be in their coffins how can he be in there but also still have a way out gargoyles a gargoyle can move day and night they don't really care and it gave me a chance to kind of really settle a a loose end in my plot and that's where i just on the spot i believe either there or a few days before is when i decided the magnus family and the magnus kingdom had a feud against gargoyles and i i kind of made it this they can't be trusted kind of deal and it it's something that they had to put an end to because gargoyles i think they're typically neutral but they can be chaotic and they can find the right masters and go against humanity which is what they did unfortunately our heroes found no vampire remains no secret gargoyle statue no nothing and they're just contacted the guard and had the whole place wiped clean that was it <clears throat> i come back here later in the campaign towards the the big climax and kane get kane is canatos now that comes later as well <laughs> gets more answers to what what's going on in here so kane and thero resolve everything that they know of at least in this underground situation they're able to loot as much as they can and they excuse me they they once again prove their versatility and their capabilities in all of this this little town <clears throat> however 
it may only be a little town, but it's on a main trade route between Mirius and Elmholm. And right now there isn't really a trade route because Elmholm is still part of the kingdom. Mirius is working as a second capital at the time. So trade's still kind of slow since Yonifar is trying to get back to his old uh, prestige. So I let them know that. And since here is a good checkpoint in between those cities, they will tell the tale of Thero and Cain, the shadow and celestial, like that's how they fight. They fight as a shadow and one guy who flies in and cast straight up lightning out of his hands so they have made a good pattern of also keeping in good terms with the guard captains i don't think i named the guard captain of here but they make sure to stay within the rule of law without but but without being lawful they just don't want the heat of the guards on them and so <laughs> they're offered again to stay the night before traveling to which Kane and Thera do not want to stay in the bar because the bars also work as inns and ye, ye olden time. So Thera summons a straight up house like he always does. And they stay there again to which is when I let him do another role to hear the flock because <clears throat> I'll end the encounter talk on this episode with just like them finishing up the shootout clunky as it was i still got to learn about cover and readied actions and shot on the run came in handy in later encounters so i got to learn how they were how, how strong to make their guns too so after that is when they want to go on to the next encounter which will be the kenku of Kane's old assassin skill. But before that all happens, this building block encounter, I feel, was one of the most important gauging points of the campaign because I got to learn about all those new tactics with spells for the bad guys to go about my own business in... <clears throat> My, my own side quest because I, I have to do my own side quest and I like to do the roles and all the justifications. I got to learn about that and then I got to power up if needed and give out more loot. I still think at this time I'm not doing too good at giving out uh, loot. I Yeah, I just give them like a few rods and some rings because I wasn't actually checking the player's handbook for balance loot and gold production i was checking the dmg dungeon master's guide i was just getting into balanced character rating uh challenge rating fight sorry and the krampus setup was right on par it, it hit the target it felt good it was nice and then the shootout was more for me which to any extent they didn't really complain too much about because i gave them that satisfying fight beforehand to add further anytime i can fill what would normally just be a shopping run with some sort of encounter or plot development gives me a whole nother month to plan for the next encounters because any text D chat is all dialogue unless it's something some simple 
encounter that we can just do turn-based fighting. So instead of rushing from a well-planned demon slash werebore fighter subject uh, not subject I can't use subterfuge all the time uh, diversion attempt on a city I plan that out to follow that up with a only half planned delivery of the flock I had the flock built because I've had them planned for years I love the idea of Kenku of hear no evil see no evil say no evil but my delivery wasn't quite there yet so I can just keep teasing the thought of they are being followed and what I do is I put that little buffer encounter in between for both of us. And sometimes it's risky. It is very risky to try and stretch the limit of your player's patience. So as a DM, you, you definitely need to make sure you're balancing the excitement. Make sure they, they get some downtime if they need it. But don't give them too much downtime where they think it's going to be a pushover every time. But you also can't just keep shoving encounters in their face because then it just it, it turns less into messing with their sense of security and more just messing with them directly. Because sure, I learned about scrying and how I can justify things, but then if I'm just throwing punches, it's not going to be fair. And... It, it really feels good to have the delivery just right. If you just spend the extra time to make sure your, your bad guys are going to be there and it's going to be delivered in this, this well-thought-up essay. And I've, I've tried doing the essay, and I, don't, I, I use that term loosely. I've learned that bullet points are best. And just make sure you hit certain details, certain points, and the story will tell itself. So I guess what I'll do is I will start, I guess, trying to deliver into the podcast here the flock encounter, and then we actually get into Mirius, which was all done at PAX in San Antonio. We're, we're here in Texas. And I spent so much time planning for the PAX encounters, and it was, it was great. It was so much fun. I still have all the notes, and lots of crazy things happen. But until next time, do join us again in the the the, the quest for revealing Zargon's whispers and cultists. And I'll try to get more episodes of everything coming out for you guys. So uh, thank you all for tuning in, and we'll hear from you next time.